All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for stopping in if you're new. Um, today, we have Marcy King. She is the Executive Director of the Owen County Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development. Very excited to have her on. Thank you so much for coming on, Marcy. Keegan, thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Wonderful. Um, so why don't we just start off with um, what you do and, well, I mean, Owen County, where Owen County is, because a lot of people don't know where Owen County is. I talk to a lot of people because I'm from Allen County. And when I say Owen County, they thought I was just saying Allen wrong. So <laughs> just uh, start off with what you do and we'll get yeah. into it. Okay. Well, first off, you're right. A lot of people do not know where Owen County is at, but we are about an hour south of Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and we are in the ROI Upland region. And also, probably the easiest way for people to understand where Owen County is located is that we are directly west of Monroe County. So if you know where Indiana University is, you just need to go to the county next door. That's Owen County. Um, right, and right. As, as far as uh, what I do... That is a that's a big question and one that uh, continually is being unpacked. Um, mm-hmm. But um, ultimately, what I do is, is just serve my community in the capacity that they need, whether that's economic development, whether that's public projects, uh, you know, volunteering, serving, mostly listening to people, figuring out what the needs are of my community, and doing what I can to provide for those needs. All right. So as far as so you're pretty much the, like the catch-all for, for people. So if they come in with a, with a problem for business and stuff, you're, you're the person who sits down with them and figures out how to fix it. Uh, that's right. We work really closely with our local businesses. Um, and then we want to make sure, you know, especially after COVID, there has been a lot of grants that have been coming down from the state and federal level. Mm-hmm. Um, our local businesses didn't always have the access to those grants. So we wanted to make sure that as those things came down, that we provided that information. And, um, you know, it it just depends on what they need. It could be too, they need a revolving loan. We have a revolving loan program. We offer free mentor services for those local businesses. And, um, you know, I might be jumping the gun a little bit here, but we're going to be starting a new project called the Overstreet Center for Entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And we've partnered with Ivy Tech. And I'm really excited about this because this is going to provide an opportunity for um, new businesses to have, um, you know, access to an office space, Wi-Fi, plus all of these resources to help them get going in their business, figure out how to navigate creating a business plan, help with finances. We're really the support system for those businesses, whether that's marketing, advertising. Again, it really just depends on what their needs are, and we have to sit down and communicate with them. Communication is key. Right, right. And, and that, that project you were just talking about, is that, is that like a um, business development, like brainstorming area type of, type of thing? Like, or what, what is that? Well, you know, we, we accomplished in 2020, the entire county did, our economic development strategy plan. And in that plan, it laid out that for the future, something that Owen County would benefit greatly from would be a shared co-working space, somewhat right. kind of like the mill over in Bloomington. And so, you know, this was something that I felt like we definitely needed here in the county. So we started researching different locations 
um, in Spencer because we, you know, that's the county seat. We felt like that would be a good area for that. Um, right. And as we were researching, you know, the the best place that opened up was right upstairs uh, in the building that we are currently in. So <laughs> the chamber in EDC. Uh, is housed in the downstairs of this great building that was built in 1860 by a man named Robert Overstreet. Uh, it used to be an old hardware store. And upstairs, there's just this great big open room. And so, you know, that just kind of got our brains going. And we, we realized that, hey, this it would be great if we housed Overstreet right here in our same building. And, you know, it's kind of a nod to the past of the building as well, because Robert Overstreet built it. But this co-working space will technically be over the street. So that's why we're calling it the Overstreet Center for Entrepreneurship. It'll have um, uh, like 10 flex spaces. It's going to have like a boardroom for people to come in and be able to have like Zoom meetings, uh, like mm. a kitchenette, just all of these open areas for people to be able to conduct business and to continue to work their business plan. Well, that worked out then, didn't it? <laughs> you just yeah, that have that was awesome. open space right above you guys. Um, so we talked a little bit about um, the Okra grant that you got. Um, so why don't you explain a little bit about the that Okra grant and how that's impacting your your county? Um, and and also, I guess Okra stands for the Office of Community and Rural Rural Affairs um, in Indiana. I just that was going back to my old um, IU days, or just use those acronyms all the time, um, and then people don't know what we're talking about. But um, I appreciate you clarifying. I had no idea what Okra meant when I took this position either, and there are so many acronyms. But yeah, so um, at the very beginning of uh, let's see, 2020, um, Okra started. Um, very quickly trying to provide funding for local businesses because of COVID. And so um, literally I was at home working at the time and email came across and it said, Hey, by the end of the day, if you can get an application in, um, you know, you might be able to get some grant funding for your community. So we cranked it out. We got that application in and um, it, it worked really well because we had been working on an economic development recovery plan already for our community. So Mm -hmm. since we had that recovery plan already set in place, we were able to use that for the application. Um, About a month later, Okra got back with us and said that Owen County had been awarded $250,000 to be distributed through our bridge grant, which was amazing. amazing. Yeah, we put, we put together a, um, advisory commission. The advisory mm-hmm. commission consisted of seven individuals of, within our community, um, business leaders who on a weekly basis met and went through applicants' packets. And each applicant um, you know, gave a, a small application, how they were struggling, how COVID had affected them, plus their financials. Um, and this advisory commission then would uh, decide whether to award $5,000 grants. And so in order to spread the funds out, uh, we wanted to make sure that the grants, you know, it wasn't going to be a bailout by any means. It's right. it, exactly what it was. It was supposed to be a small grant to bridge the gap that COVID was creating. So right. throughout the year, then we continued to meet. And uh, by the time we were finished with all of that funding, we had been able to assist 56 local businesses that mm-hmm. ensured 272 employees were able to retain their jobs. And of those 272 employees, 
261 of them were from low to moderate income. Right, right. And and did did you lose any businesses at all or did anything or how did that happen? Were you able to keep most of your businesses um, afloat? You know, we were only lost one business and that business was Brown Foreman. And uh, we lost them not due to anything but the lack of workforce. So unfortunately, we did lose them, but it, it was just one business. That's interesting because, I mean, that's truly an amazing like feat that, that, that you guys were able to do to keep all of those businesses within your community. But I mean, to, mo- to move on, this sort of segues into um, the labor shortage and, and things with, with COVID is people are facing this national labor shortage and businesses that necessarily wouldn't have gone out of business can't keep their doors open because people aren't coming back out to work. So what are you guys sort of doing to combat that? And, and also what are your like personal um, thoughts as, as, you know, someone who's in this position of wanting to help commerce and economic development um, with this labor shortage and like why people are refusing to go back to work? Sure. I mean, that's a great question and uh, something that we do struggle with. I mean, we've worked really hard to provide capital, to provide support, to provide resources to our local businesses for them to be able to maintain and keep their doors open. And what it's coming down to is not that there's not a demand. It's not that they don't have the funds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that they just do not have the workforce. Um, and so, you know, we're constantly trying to figure out uh, what we're going to do to resolve this issue. And I think right. one thing that has been very positive about going through COVID is that it has kind of forced a lot of people to think outside of the box and look for alternate solutions to their problems. Um, In saying that, um, we have one manufacturing business who has um, partnered with the Department of Corrections. And so they are working with them to um, bring in new people who are going to maybe be on parole, who are looking for a second chance. Mm-hmm. And they are, they are open to bringing those individuals in and doing that training. Um, also, we're trying to coordinate with um, our different businesses in town to find people who would be the next level training to do skilling up on their skills. Maybe they have been doing this job, but maybe we can train them in multiple jobs so that they can right. work for multiple businesses. Um, Another thing that we're doing is, you know, we're looking at we have a lot of veterans who are going to be retiring and they're looking for a place to go and start their life, you know, as a a citizen. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they need to get back into that. And we're wanting to attract them to Owen County. Hey, we have jobs here. We have a great culture. We've got all these great things for your family. So I I would like to say that, hey, I know the answer to this, but I just don't. All I can do is continue to try and provide and come up with solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think one reason that we aren't seeing people get back into the workforce is, um, you know, I just don't think they're comfortable yet. I think there's a lot of people, especially, especially with the new Delta variant, that mm-hmm. still feel that they are uh, more adept to working from home or they just don't want to get back into that public space. So again, 
continue to push forward, but I don't have the answer to that one yet. <laughs> right. I, I definitely think that that, um, those are some interesting programs that you guys have come up with as far as the, like someone, you have someone who's an unskilled worker and they say, well, I don't want to go back to work. I know that there, there's a lot of an issue with people today, at least up in where I'm living, where they, we don't want to go back to work. Cause why would I go back to work and make minimum wage at my minimum wage job? You know, um, when I'm getting paid more through unemployment benefits, like that doesn't make any sense for them to do. So the idea of, well, we'll come in, we'll train you in a skilled trade so you can come in and make more money and you can make more money at, at this job, like sort of providing that service. It seems like just a, a brilliant plan to move forward to sort of bait people or lure people out of of staying at home, um, if, if that makes sense, because you sort of have to, I guess you're going to have to use some sort of uh, attractive lure to bring people back into the work, in, into into work, I guess. I agree. This is the, the best opportunity to get back into work because there are so many incentives. You know, mm -hmm. I want to applaud our two largest manufacturers here in Owen County. You know, they they offer bringing you in and, you know, doing that training, skilling you up, uh, providing great um, benefits. But also, if you want to go to school, they'll pay for your education. They'll bring mm -hmm. the you know, teachers to you. You don't even have to drive. You know, they're looking for transportation for you. They're trying to find housing. I mean, anything they can do to bring in employees, um, they're doing it. And I mean, this is the time. This is the yeah. time to get in and take advantage of all of these benefits. That's that's one thing that was so surprising to me is the more I look into it, the more I see these jobs that are popping up and they need people so bad that they're just throwing incentive after incentive after incentive out there. And if people are if people really look, you can really just find these like massive like it's like just a massive mountain of benefits happening. Um, where they are providing those kinds of services and programs to people um, to just because <laughs> they're like, please come back to work, please come back. Um, but people, I guess it just hasn't hit the point for most, um, not most, but a lot of Americans, I guess. Yeah. And with anything, I mean, there's always uh, everything kind of goes in waves. Um, right. You know, a couple of decades ago, you were hard pressed to find a job with all of those, if you could even find one with all that many benefits and, mm -hmm. and incentives. Um, and now the, the door is wide open for all of these things, but it's it's not always going to stay open. So, you know, I just encourage people, this is the opportunity to go out there and look for uh, that that new venture that you have, that, that new role that you might want to play. Right. So... Moving to sort of, well, I mean, we're not out of COVID yet, but it looks like we're, it, it seems, I guess I should say, with like the vaccinations and things coming out that we're at the bottom end of this um, and sort of looking forward to moving out of COVID, like with that sort of mindset, um, what do you think communities and people in general can can do to sort of make post-recovery as smooth as possible? 
if, if I'm not sure if that was that uh, th- that conversation that sorry did that question make sense I'm sorry well I'll try and answer it and you tell me right. if I'm answering it correctly um, for our community what mm-hmm. I think that means is that means getting back to somewhat of a sense of normalcy um, mm-hmm. which is not fully ever going to come back but we have been able to have a lot of festivals that we weren't able to have last year that we're having this year. And there just, there's that sense of being able to see one another, to go out and, you know, uh, have a concert, to sit on the lawn with some friends, to be out for a couple hours, you know, those are all great things. And, um, but of course, those are just elements of the larger plan, which Owen County wants to just continue to attract new people, attract new population and attract new talent. And so um, that's why we've been working very hard on our broadband. I mm-hmm. think that's going to be something that's important too, as people continue to look towards the future and where they want to live and what they want to do, whether they were to work out of the home or in the home. Uh, internet has just become uh, that part of infrastructure that we didn't think of. That's no longer uh, an amenity, but a necessity. Right. And right. so while we were in 2020, we made that a priority to really figure out how we were going to bring broadband into Owen County, even though it's a very rural area. Mm-hmm. And um, Keegan, I'm excited to announce, I'm glad I get to do this. A couple of weeks ago, I was able to announce to the Lieutenant Governor that through a unique partnership with our local broadband uh, contractors, Owen County and every single person who lives in Owen County will have access to high-speed affordable internet by the end of 2023. Wow. Yeah, that's going to be massive. That is a massive um, in, that is a massive in, like an announcement, I guess. <laughs> it <laughs> is. It is huge. So I mean that's that's going to change the landscape for Owen County. That's going to allow right. people to feel even in a post-COVID world, that there is a sense of, well, hey, yeah, I can go to Owen County and live, and you know, I can be on the internet, I can work, and they'll be able to just enjoy that small town feel, even though they're able to still be connected. And I think that's right. vitally important to our growth. And I, as someone who, I, I mean, I was living near Owen County, and I did some work in Owen County um, for university projects and things like that. But like one of the things about these smaller towns or rural communities in general that sort of have been keeping people my age who are, you know, graduating from IU. They didn't grow up in that, you know, in County, they didn't grow up in like from this, from a rural community. And they're like, well, where am I going to go live now? Um, And, you know, a lot of people go back to where they were born, but like, what keeps a lot of people my age from moving to these places is that they look and they're like, Oh, well, they don't even have the necessary thing in their idea, necessary thing um, for me to move there. You know, if, if Mm -hmm. I want to work a remote job and like want to live in a small town, um, like, like the look of it, and it doesn't have that, you know, that broadband internet or that, or the necessary bandwidth to provide through Wi-Fi, then, that place is going to be off the list. So the fact that you guys have had that um, and you guys are going to get that in your community is a really big thing for, especially for younger people because such an attractive thing. 
Absolutely. And I mean, and then, of course, I'm from Owen County. So to add on top of that, I mean, we have, you know, uh, Indiana's first state park, McCormick's Creek. We've got mm-hmm. Cataract Falls, the largest falls in the city of Indiana. We've got the White River. I mean, we have all of these beautiful natural assets. We have all these community events. You know, you've got your local coffee shop, movie theater. I mean, I can mm-hmm. go on and on. I love to brag on Owen County, but I'm <laughs> telling you, uh, it has hits. It, this is where you should be coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Let's go back into COVID and, and, and how that's impacted, you know, your, your labor force and, and more importantly, the community. Um, how did you guys combat that distance? You know, the idea of everyone needs to be inside, everyone needs to be six feet apart, wearing a mask. Um, and that, and those things, although helpful to combat COVID, were really degrading to the sense of community that a lot of small governments and and um, communities try to foster. You know, they try to foster that sense of community and togetherness. And this kind of is the worst, the worst thing for that. So, how did you guys combat that as a as a community? How did you combat that sense of distance during COVID? Well, again, um, the individuals who live in in Owen County and who um, are my neighbors, um, you know, we have a real sense of grit when Mm -hmm. um, things get tough. I think, you know, people in Owen County step up, they dig their feet in and they figure out what they're going to do to help their neighbor and to make it through. And that was more evident to me during COVID than all the years that I've lived here. Our local uh, officials, as well as our first responders, our emergency management team, police, everyone came together. We met weekly to discuss, you know, um, what's going on in the county, what do we need to do. Uh, There was a shortage of uh, PPE, so we Mm -hmm. started looking around and, you know, our local candy store next door just stopped making candy and began manufacturing hand sanitizer so that we could have hand sanitizer right here in the community. Mm-hmm. Our schools realized that there were face masks and shields in their science labs that weren't being used because no, none of the students were there. So they went and grabbed those. Uh, people were looking, you know, if they had gloves that they could give to our nursing homes, they did that. So, I mean, there was just this real sense of pulling together and uh, you, it was very evident. I mean, we even had, um, it was a, a hometown hero, a lovely woman. She won an award for from the chamber. She mm-hmm. and her um, uh, sewing group met every week and they had made over a thousand masks to be distributed to, you know, wow. those individuals who needed them. And they were, you know, communicating with the health department to make sure the health department was able to distribute those. So mm-hmm. everyone really pulled together to help. But then um, on, on the chamber side of that, just kind of trying to keep people connected, even though we really couldn't be connected, or at least we were limited on that, the um, chamber put together a COVID assurance plan. And this right. was actually, um, um, what do I want to say, um, it was copied from another organization that had come and had spoken at one of our economic development roundtables. You know, they had mentioned how they wanted to assure um, the people that came to their community and their business that they were safe. And so 
kind of looking at that and combining some of the elements of their plan along with the CDC regulations, we came up with our COVID assurance plan. Basically Mm -hmm. what that, Keegan, was that throughout 2020, the Chamber of Commerce actually was able to maintain every single personal in-person event. We just went way above to assure people that if they attended that event, that we had done our due diligence to keep them safe and that their safety was our number one priority. So we immediately did not say, hey, this is open to everyone. We said, okay, we know that we can socially distance, you know, 25 people in this room. So now instead of having a meeting that you would have 75 people attend, we had 25 spots you had to RSVP for those spots. Mm-hmm. You had to have your temperature taken. You had to wear your mask. Uh, you know, you had to answer questions. And then we made sure that um, if you couldn't attend in person, that you had the opportunity to see that online as well. So through that, uh, people started realizing that it was okay. They felt mm-hmm. comfortable coming to those meetings, and we were able to maintain that. Sure, that was a lot of extra work, but that was important to us for people to still be able to see one another. And for people to see that people were still getting together in a safe uh, environment. Right. That's so cool. And we talked a little bit about the uh, backpack giveaway that you guys had put on. And why don't you tell a little bit about the backpack giveaway as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So our back to school expo, that's something that the chamber uh, partners with the school system on every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, what it originally looked like was it was an event that was held inside the middle school and parents were able to come in about 30 people at a time with their students, go around all of our different vendor tables and receive a backpack full of supplies according right. to their age group. Uh, right. That event was not going to happen inside. It wasn't going to happen at all unless we figured something out. So um, and again, thinking outside the box, we realized that we could do a parade at our fairgrounds. So it was kind of like a backwards parade. So parents with their students entered the fairgrounds and they drove this route. And throughout the route, they were seeing their principals, their teachers, they were holding up signs. Mm -hmm. Um, The band was playing, the choir was singing to them. There were squirt guns, bubbles, balloons. There were all these stations that they were driving through. And at the end of that parade, you know, we had an individual who would then receive their registration form so we could see the age of the student. They would walkie-talkie up to where the backpacks were. The backpacks were ready for them. So by the time the car got up there, all they had to do was pop open their trunk. And we had a volunteer put the backpacks in the trunk. So everyone, again, felt really safe. And they really enjoyed it. And they got to see all their teachers and principals after not seeing them for a long time. And they just absolutely loved it. That's, that's such a sweet story. Like, it's so nice. It reminds me of, like, uh, The Sandlot, the movie, for some reason. Just that, like, sense of togetherness, like block parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just people coming together as a community. And it's just wonderful to hear those kinds of stories. Um, I... I I wonder, because um, I'm from a larger community. I'm I live in Fort Wayne. Um, so, what are those challenges? Like those specific challenges that the smaller, more rural communities face that the larger communities, such as like Fort Wayne or Indianapolis, um, South Bend, like don't don't really have to worry about. Well, 
I don't know. That's that's a good question. I don't know if I could speak well to that, not being from a larger city and, and knowing right, right, right. what challenges they face. I, I do know of one challenge, and that would be mm-hmm. just um, finances. I mean, when you're from a small community and that back to school expo costs several thousands of dollars for us to purchase those backpacks and supplies and everything. Um, you know, each organization's pretty much asking the same businesses over and over again to help, you know, fund this or fund that. And they get hit up a lot. So, you know, we try to really think through that and make sure that, you know, we're not doing that to our local businesses, especially during COVID when they're all in desperate need of maintaining their financial balance. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I, I think that's a definite challenge for smaller communities is figuring out where that funding is coming from. But to that point, um, when you show value within an event or um, something that you're doing for a community and people see the value that their donation is creating, then they are definitely more willing to um, go in there and to donate. And then also, you know, our local Walmart they, the, we, we just couldn't do it without them. The manager actually does, he did like a 100 mile radius search of all of the manufacturers and, and he was able to pull those supplies in and was able to get them at the lower cost for us in order for us to be able to do that. Those are the small things that, I mean, we, we really have to kind of figure out those solutions where again, and I don't know because I haven't been in a larger city or been responsible for those things, but I would think that they might have a, a larger budget to work from, or again, they would have a larger amount of businesses to pull from. All right. So, um, as far as you as a as a person, you Marcy King, what are you most proud of as far as being in this position? Um, what is what is I guess you could say the top three or just top one doesn't you pick either or that you are most proud of that the Chamber of Commerce um, has accomplished just since you, since you began as the as the director or being a part of it. Well, you know what? I can answer that with I am really proud of my community's spirit of cooperation. Right. The I mean, I can tell you about the bathroom, the public restroom facility where everybody came together in 2020 and, you know, they raised twenty five thousand dollars in 20 days. And that was awesome. And then I can tell you about the broadband. I can tell you about the back school, all these things. But really Mm -hmm. what all those things boil down to is you see a community in uh, a day and age where there are so many things that can separate people, so many opinions and 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 everything. Um, But instead, they find the common ground. I mean, the community really continues to show that they can work together, they can pull Mm -hmm. together. And that is something to be proud of. When you live in a community and you actually see people acting upon that, and there is impact that comes from that action, that that changes a, a community's future. Right, right. That and has to be wonderful to see that see those things come together yes, like that. It is. It really is. One of the things that, and, and this might be my cynicism or or penis, pe- pessimism uh, coming through a little bit, but being in a, a larger community, 
um, it feels a lot less like a community because it's so large. People like to keep kind of kind of keep to themselves. Um, but when I'm one of the things that I've noticed is that when you go to a smaller community, there's still that sense of like togetherness and helping your neighbor and being there for your neighbor and things like that. Meanwhile, in these larger communities, um, it doesn't feel as much that way. And I, I'm not exactly sure as to why that that is or why, what has caused that, but it definitely is a special thing when, when your community actually acts like a community. And, and I would agree with you. And I think that it could just be because you have a, a larger population. Maybe it's a little mm-hmm. more difficult for people to do that. But um, again, I think all of us each day have, um, we all have choices to make each day. And yeah. we can choose to create community around us wherever we find that, whether that's, you know, at the grocery store or going and ordering your Subway sandwich, you know, right, right, um, right. it's just a matter <laughs> of, of taking an effort to communicate to the individual you have in front of you. Um, and it's not just communication. It's, it really comes down to you really, you know, people can tell whether you care or not. Right. You can pick that up. And so, you know, whether you're in a small community or a really big city, you know, we have the choice to care each day. And I, mm-hmm. that to me is what creates community. Right. It's really, that's uh, really nice to, it's just nice to hear. Um, um, but I'm going to ask you, I got two more questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is, what is, the first one is, what is the, number one most common myth about your profession um, or your field or about you, I guess, that you want to debunk? It could be any of those. Okay. Well, when I first took this job, Keegan, I had people saying, well, I don't even know why I need to join the chamber because I don't know what the chamber does. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> so, I'm like, okay, all right then. Well, we need to prove to you and show you what the chamber does and show that we have value. So right. I would like to debunk that, that, um, the, the chamber most certainly is an integral part of your community mm-hmm. and that we can do a lot for you, but it requires, you know, you can, let, let's have a conversation. Ask me, let me tell you about it. And again, I think each chamber is probably different depending on the community that they find themselves right. in. Obviously we needed to work together on a public restroom facility because we didn't have one in our downtown area. That might not be the case for another city that already has one, but they might have a different need. So again, it's it's reaching out to those local businesses, listening to them, showing them the the basic foundational tools that we provide for business. But there's so much more to that when you're able to uh, start communicating and finding out what people really need. So, yeah, I can I can tell you what the chamber does. That's the, that that's my, that was my biggest thing. And you know what? One of the individuals when I first took the position, they're like, "Well, I'm not joining the chamber, Marcy. It's not going to happen." I'm like, "Well, all right, we'll see." They are a member of the chamber. <laughs> we'll get you. We'll get that's you right. eventually. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think there's at least in in the, a lot of my. Um, more personal circles there is there is a sentiment against um adding in more like committees or like chambers or like things things of that nature like into your community because they they don't want 
people to mess with it or they've heard where it goes wrong. Um, but I think in reality, and most of the time, it ends up more of like what you guys are doing right now, where you're able to be that liaison or be that um, intercessory person, you know, for like okra. Like a, one person wouldn't have been able to just go out and get that quarter of a million grant that you guys got for your community. Um, but you guys were able to do that for your community because you guys existed and you guys actually are moving and doing things for your community that benefit your community. You're right. And when people see that there are things happening, they get excited about that. And then, you know, people who are reserved and say, well, hey, I don't need to add that one more thing or that one more committee. Then all of a mm -hmm. sudden you have them and they're like, well, hey, I want to be involved. How can I be involved? And that yeah. is exciting to me because it's, it's a matter of, you know, continuing um, creating a narrative for our community, moving really hard to push that narrative forward and then one thing that really pleases me is I overheard a conversation the other day and it was a, one of my chamber captains talking to another uh, local business person and they were explaining our vision statement. And mm -hmm. that was exciting to me because that wasn't me telling that vision statement. That was someone else who had grabbed a hold of that, who now owned it and was so excited about it, they wanted to share it. So now the community is keeping that ball and that movement going. Right. Let's say I'm I'm someone in your community, okay? I'm a business owner or um, just a person in your community who's who's kind of important. Um, and I say, well, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't I don't want any part of this. What do you do to get that person involved? How how do you how do you what is the main driver for you to get people involved? Well, I mean, and again, that's a choice. They can decide right. whether they want to be involved or not. Um, what I can show them is everything that the chamber is doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do tell people this. Your chamber membership is how you help yourself because, you know, maybe you don't have time to um, or money to even hire a marketing or advertising individual. Maybe you don't have someone to help you with your finances and your business. So when you pay right. that membership, you know, you're, you're like adding on all of these extra people to your staff that you're not really adding on because we can assist you with all of those things. So your membership is definitely how you help yourself. Mm -hmm. But we ask people to be a sponsor of the chamber also. And I say your sponsorship is how you help your community. And again, when all of these events are going on, when these kids are going through the line and they're getting their backpacks and they're just smiling from ear to ear and they're filling out a registration form and, and their parents and the community sees that, hey, this was this event was only made possible by and you list all of these businesses. Mm -hmm. You know, you're proud to be able to say, hey, I'm one of those businesses that helped out. I I'm glad that I was able yeah. to do that. And you know what? I might not be able to have the the physical time to be there at that event, but I can sponsor the chamber. And I know the chamber is going to be a good steward of our funds and they're going to go out there and, and do the uh, work that needs to be done. So membership is definitely the way to help yourself. Sponsorship is the way to help the community. And I can show you all of those things. And after I show you all of those things, if you still like, eh, I don't want to be involved. Well, all right. I'll talk to you next year. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll get you eventually. Come on. That's right. Uh, so the last question, I'm trying to finish my podcast with this question, which is, um, if you were in my shoes as the host of this podcast, 
what would you have asked yourself that I did not ask you? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a good question, Keegan. Um, <laughs> let's see. I would have asked myself coming into this job, what was the best thing that you brought with you in mm -hmm. to prepare for this position? What did you bring with you? Yeah. What did I bring? Okay. Before I had this position, I did not have any experience in the chamber or economic development world. I had mm -hmm. uh, worked with a nonprofit for 13 years. I had worn many hats. I'd done a lot of different things. Yeah. And I think the best thing coming in was not having a prepackaged or, or idea or a concept of what this should look like. Right. And so then I was just kind of able to... I guess, hit the ground running and start really getting a sense of what my community needed and going from there and not, again, playing off of, well, this is kind of what chambers do, so this is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. It was just a sense of, no, I'm not for sure what I'm going to do, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm here to serve you. You two tell me what we need to do, and that's what we're going to get done. Right. So that adaptability, it was incredibly important for you. I agree. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Marcy, for coming on. I really appreciated talking with you. It was a wonderful conversation. Um, thank you, everyone, for stopping in and listening. This was my conversation with Marcy King. Um, and I uh, hope you guys step stop back in next week. And we'll be talking with my brother next week. So. Well, Keegan, thank yeah. you very much for having me. I really enjoyed this. I did too. Thank you so much. Oh, can I do a real quick shameless plug? Absolutely. Okay. And if anybody wants to know what's going on in Owen County, all you have to do is go to go-owen.com. We update it daily and you can find all the activities and events that are happening. We'd love for you to come and join us. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Keegan. Bye.